In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. But yeah, are there any resources or any places or any ways of doing these treatments? Oh, unfortunately, uh, treating homosexuality is illegal, I think, in 36 states. Yeah, illegal. That's why uh, yeah, I think this should be treated within the church boundaries. A therapist through the church can, that's what we are doing right now. When we know a person who's trained in treating homosexuality and we connect the person with this, uh, with this therapist and some actually people who are working as professional therapists or as a psychiatrist, they don't like to be involved. I have my concern about this issue, but unfortunately it's illegal, I think, in 36 states. Sayyidina, if, if the person is in a state where he or she is like, I like it, this is how I mean, they don't have the first requirement of the desire to be treated better, what if anything can be done? Yeah, I think beside uh, prayer, we need actually to, to see first do they believe in the scripture or not. If they believe in the authority of the scripture, then we need actually to discuss it from the scripture point of view. If they don't believe in the scripture or in authority or they have a different interpretation, we can go through some statistics about what they are suffering, what are the risks of homosexuality they suffer from. As I said, statistics say suffer, many of them suffer from like AIDS, yeah, life-threatening diseases. They suffer from depression, yeah, etc. So sometimes when they are faced with this reality, they will reconsider. And some of them actually, they don't, they don't consider recovery because they feel it's a hopeless case. But when you give them hope, no, there are cases of recovery. You can do it uh, through the grace of God. Yeah, the yeah, they need actually to, to talk with them why he's against recovery, why he yeah, taking this stand. But at the end, if they insist, no, you cannot help a person who doesn't want to help himself, unfortunately. Um, Say so when you hear who is talking about the causes, uh, there's like a new trend that's uh, happening, especially with, between uh, like in high schools and uh, with boys and uh, uh, blowing kisses to each other, grabbing each other, sadly, and um, and it's more of the underlying acceptance of that behavior happening, and it might be that the individual completely does not struggle with same-sex attraction or any of that stuff. But it's becoming more of the common, not common, like things that are happening around them and you see it in school. And uh, yeah, and he, uh, at the high school boys convention in the winter, sometimes it's a, it's a pathway to conversations, conversation starters. So you hear some of them talking about that and so on. And one time a young man was, was telling me that, you know, he was having homosexual dreams just because of that behavior around them happening in school and so on. And he tells me, well, I, I literally, like, in, in actuality, I have no attraction toward a, a, another guy in front of me. But because of that behavior happening around him in school, he is attacked with his dreams, you know, and so on. Yeah, that's one of the ones when you said culture. Culture serves as normalizing, and you, you face it around you everywhere. So maybe I'm not tempted with it, as Yanni, you said, or I, I don't have this. Uh, attraction at all to the same gender, but because of what I'm talking all the time, what I'm hearing all the time around me, uh, I am attacked like with dreams, homosexual dreams. That's why, yeah, as St. Paul said, bad company corrupt good morals. I, I need to stay away from any ungodly talks around me. Uh, question that I have is, um, oftentimes uh, the trigger for a lot of the uh, initiated behavior to connect uh, with another person, whether male or female of the same sex, is loneliness. Uh, oftentimes we find that it ends up being the trigger for an individual that, well, I feel that I was so lonely, I wanted to, you know, just talk to someone, so hook up with that person individually. When it comes to dealing with loneliness and working with them and serving them, when it comes to that uh, malady or that struggle, 
Grace's recommendation, advice to us that we can do in, in our conversations with them and helping them and so on. If a person grew in a loving family, that's why family has a big role here. Loving family that actually he communicates with his parents and his siblings. Now the family, unfortunately, like roommates in the same house, but there's no connection. Everyone in his room, everyone has his computer, his TV. So they are isolated from each other, like different islands. But a healthy family, if they connect together, a person who is growing in a healthy family, he will not suffer from loneliness. In the same way in the church, church also is another atmosphere in which we can provide a healthy uh, atmosphere to combat loneliness. Sometimes people who are extrovert and they speak and they are social, they fit with any group in the church. But if there is an introvert or a person who is actually calm and quiet, nobody goes and talks to him. But in, in Sunday school or in, in the church, we need to keep eyes on these people and we, we make an effort to go and let them be engaged in, in conversation. So school and, uh, sorry, a church and, and families. Another thing that contributes loneliness is addiction to social media or to games. I spend a lot of time with my phone or I'm play, playing games. So people who spend a lot of time on social media or on games, they lose the communication and social skills. That's why they feel lonely because all the communication that they have behind the screen cannot actually satisfy the need of relationship. Now, God created our souls to grow through relationships, through relationships. When there is no relationship, then my soul is not growing. That's why the Lord said about Adam, it's not for Adam to be alone, because his soul grows in relationship and if soul grows in relationship. Maybe somebody will ask about Anchorites and people living a solitary life, they are not living lonely. They have in relationship, but in a spiritual connection with the saints and, and with God. And all of you, you know, the relationship between Pope Carlos and uh, Marimina, for example. So these people also, they are growing through relationship, through friendship with the saints. So loneliness can be يعني, addressed through healthy family, help in preventive, how to prevent it in healthy family and how to make our churches also have a healthy therapeutic atmosphere for our children. Uh, my question is from the service point of view. Uh, when serving somebody who, um, who is leading a homosexual life, is endurance part of the journey that we're supposed to kind of take when we're praying for them or helping them. Uh, endurance meaning, like I, I don't want to use the word persecution because um, unfortunately actually that, that is the, the word to be used nowadays when you are the service or you are the Christian person talking to them in any topic, um, they recognize that. Um, and unfortunately they use tactics to, to not make you happy. You know, I've been in a situation where the person, every time I talk to them lovingly and just ask about them, just simple ask about them, they'll make a point to let me know or ask me a very bad question. Will you ever come to my wedding? Or they'll, I'll say, hey, how are you? How is your day? And how, how, is, how is work? And then they'll make sure to, knowing that I'm coming from that perspective, not only a servant perspective, from a, they, they feel that I'm asking about them in that sense, they'll use a word to trigger me. like. Oh, I was at that place with these people and this beach. Oh, do you like it? Or they'll ask me and they'll want an answer from me. So my question is, how much of an endurance are we supposed to really take um, in, in not just serving, just dealing with them? Um, is there a way, is there a specific way to pray about it? Number one, I will not be politically correct, meaning if he asks me, do you like this, are you coming to my wedding? 
I tell him, I, I love you and I care about you too much that make me not coming to your wedding because that's not right. Or, yani, I love you to the, and because my love toward you, I'm not happy that you were with these people and, and we like to talk together. But at the end, if he, if they are not willing even to discuss or to talk, you cannot help somebody actually cannot help himself or refuse it. You cannot impose treatment on somebody. So at this time, you need actually just to pray for him. Let me share, share with you yeah, a story. There was, a, a, this story happened very recently. There was a youth actually yeah, who, who drifted away from the church for so many reasons. I determined actually to, to give him a call uh, or text message every week just to check on him. For maybe seven, eight times, he, he never answered me. After seven, eight times, he answered me and he was very ugly with me. Why are you talking to me? You know, don't call me again. Something like this. So at the end, I, I told him, I will respect your opinion. I will not call you again, but just I want to make sure to know that I love you and I care about you. And I called you all these times because I care about you. If you change it your mind at any moment, please let me know. And I stopped calling him and I started praying for him. I was praying for him from before. Maybe three or four weeks later, I found him calling me and he was apologizing about his attitude. And he told me, I appreciate all what you are doing, Sayyidna. I love you. I care about you also. Please call me at any moment. Let us talk. Let us meet. And I assumed that his parents actually heard about what he did to me and Alulu Aibu, Kalim Sayyidna, okay. So I checked with the parents, and the parents So from himself, he, he came back, يعني, he realized what, and this happened with many people. يعني. ف, ف, يعني إحنا, our message should be a message of love and acceptance, and I will not be a politically correct. Are you coming to my wedding? I'm coming from this place. I will show him. I am not happy to hear this. No, I'm not coming to your wedding. And I'm doing this because I love you and I care about you, not because I condemn you. My question is actually has two parts. Uh, the first part is if you are noticing that one of the youth uh, that you're serving is struggling with homosexuality, you see signs. Is there a particular correct way to approach that person? Or do you just lead along until that person talks about it? Uh, and then the second part, you said that our churches need to be more therapeutical and loving those who are struggling with this. I'd love to know how did that, what, how did that look in our Coptic community? Because in the outside, in the Western side, you'll see a lot of churches where they put the flag and say, love is love and you're welcome here. I'm sure that's not what we're saying. Number one, I don't recommend at all if you believe or a person has signs of homosexuality to, to tell him, are you homosexual or whatever, this would be very offensive, especially if he's not. And I think it's better to work with him on his spiritual life and how to, to grow spiritually. If actually he is growing spiritually, he will know it's a sin and he will come and talk about it. Maybe he was already talking about it with his abuna, but he doesn't want to talk about it with his Sunday school. He wants actually to keep it confidential from his Sunday school uh, servant. Yani we should not know all the, the weaknesses of our children. And I think you need to work with his, on his spiritual life. Maybe Mukitamelu like uh, panel discussion about homosexuality, uh, what the Bible is, yani, by biblical perspective about it or whatever. So if he has any wrong views about homosexuality, be corrected and he may be go to Abuna or come to you to address this point. Regarding the loving and accepting atmosphere, we need to define love and we need to define acceptance before we say loving and accepting. These flags and love is love is the true love? No, it's not true love. And usually I give a simple example. 
مثلاً إحنا هير وارن تايتزفيل if you if you want to go مثلاً to Tampa and then you are taking ninety five north فهقول بس أنا I love him خليه يدرايف ninety five north مش أقول إنه غلطان is this love and I have to tell you you are in the wrong road if you want to go to Tampa take I four west ninety-five north I would take New Jersey I would take you know so to accept the wrong way is against love that's why love for people who are refusing to admit it is sin love for them and acceptance for them we, we accepted them as people we love them as people but we should tell them you are on the wrong road. Then Rabbin Al sin no more lest you suffer worse things. That's love. To confront them about their sin, although we show them love. And the Lord healed this man, but with this healing he gave him warning. That, that's the love. Love for people who admit it's sin and started the recovery process is actually to support them in this painful journey and I'm saying it's painful journey but to support them and to give him hope and to give them encouragement and to them through the grace of God you will be able to do it and to يعني, walk with them in their journey step by step showing love and acceptance but to love and accept the sin that's not love do, these, do, the, the, do they know or are they aware of this type of treatment when they are in this, like, how, I mean, how would you explain it to somebody that's going through this, that wants to repent, um, that this type of treatment is available? Because the treatment is, I mean, it's amazing based on what your grace is describing here. I did not uh, invent it. I, know, I, I took it from the books, yeah. Kitab Muslim coming out straight. Yeah, most of these steps were good. Okay. Yeah, I did not invent this treatment. Like in, uh, it's موجود في الكتب اللي هم بتاع الناس الكونسيرفيف كريشيان اللي هم they are willing to address this اسمه ده sin slash illness and, and tell the people so any honest therapist he knows this treatment and my, my other question is kind of a question too you know what, what is the success level of uh, just in terms of does it depend on how long they've had this behavior? Like if they've only been through it during their high school or college years, they're able to recover and not have any relapses based on just it was a short time? Or does it, have you seen As, as I said, recovery is a lifelong journey. And some people after some years, they relapse. Like with addiction. Yeah. But it is not the end of the world. Right. He can recover again. and. I can overcome anger for some time and then I relapse and I come back I continue my journey that's why they need to understand it's a journey and there, there is some challenges in this journey but as long as I am abiding in Christ at the end I am victorious in Christ I have a question about the, the concept of shame so um, just to give an example like one of the youth in our church was very close to him personally for like three years and then he approached another youth and with kind of emotions and affection so the other youth came and he also told me so slowly i started talking to him that process took about maybe three years until he got on the right track but for him to even come out and say it which is the shame part of it is the most difficult and I've also noticed that when you approach him like with a Bible study and you try to bring all this stuff because we started doing that in the beginning, sometimes you actually either become defensive or they become more shameful to even say, but they go in. Would, would, would the personal approach first before, you know, and, and bears and a background would be more efficient for them? Or we also have, you know, you know what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong. So just because of how it is and also we have another youth that actually went too far from church so when i met him outside he said even if when i come back that was his own words i can't even step in the church 
even if I'm, if I'm considering and, and it just Every person is different. So some people who are Muslim very, very sensitive or people who don't have strong assertive personality or people who feels huge guilt about it or Muslims, their families shamed them too much about it. So these people may take longer time to, to speak and to address it than people who are strong, upfront, assertive, they, they, they can uh, address it more easily. That's why uh, just, we need to be patient with them and uh, with love and with um, acceptance, encouraging. Uh, we should not take it personal, if he became defensive or whatever. But I, I need to be patient with them. Uh, and I think at the end, when I feel I am in a safe atmosphere, I will open up. Then it's very risky to open up, very risky. But when I feel I am in a safe atmosphere and this person will not use the information uh, against me, this person, I will not lose his love and his service, uh, his, his care if, if I disclosed all these things to him then the person will open up. That's why it takes with some people, as you said, three years, up to three years, with some people it be one month. It depends on different personalities. But we need to pray for them, support them during this journey. The whole the spiritual talk, the spiritual approach, getting just the personal approach first, because like, sometimes like, like they are ashamed and they know what they're doing is wrong spiritually. Sometimes when you do already know it, so when you mention it again, I feel it deter, but sometimes you feel like, okay, I shouldn't, no, but I should. Tarif Zay physician, we try one medicine, if it did not work, we try another medicine. If a personal approach with a person will help him to feel safe around me, I can use a personal approach first, you know, until the person feels comfortable around me. With other people, maybe a spiritual approach will help them first. With some people, when you use a spiritual approach first, like, don't lecture me, don't uh, preach to me. I, I will use another approach with him. So, the discernment of the servant, how to use the right medication, the right approach with the right personality, until I connect with this person. So, you know, what if uh, the person feels like it's unfair, was unfair the whole life with him? And like his family uh, was abusing him and he's a victim. So uh, like he's trying to say like God accept the sinner as is. Like he accepted the sinner without asking them to repent. Who said so? The woman was caught, Allah sin no more. Allah go and sin no more. whole paralytic sin no more lest you suffer worse things. In, in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, he addressed all the people alone, unless you repent, you will all otherwise perish. Uh, his message, when he started preaching, and repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So who, who said in Rabbina, accept sinners as is, to repent? Yani, the mishsah. He, took the he died for them. When he died on the cross, did he carry my own personal sin or not? He died for my own personal, for Amber Yusuf's personal sins. He died for my sins. That's first step. He died for my sin even before I exist, before I, 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 am, I am being born here. But Anna, I want to address the first point into Utiha. Truly, life is unfair. It, it's written in Isaiah. Even the Lord Jesus Christ suffered injustice and unfairness. But thanks be to God, He comforted us during, with this unfairness, He comforted us during our journey here on earth. If I am looking for fairness and justice on earth, and I'll be very troubled. Like God promised us, 
justice and fairness in heaven. So, if I am unfair, I'm victim to my family, I'm victim to society, I'm victim to all of this. I need actually to look for Christ and identify myself with him, who's also victim to, to many, many things. And he will comfort me. But I should not fall into the victimization and the victim mentality. To victimize myself is a very destructive. And when I understand life is unfair, but through the grace of God, I am who I am. I can choose all my reactions through the grace of God to the unfairness. And I'm looking for heaven in which there is justice, there is fairness, there is righteousness. To fall in this victim mentality, like Jonah Lama Al, my death is better than my life, or Elijah, or whatever, this we call it victimization, is very destructive to the person. But if you to have the victim mentality, or to understand life, yeah, truly life is unfair. Truly life is unfair. If there is no, no justice on earth, there is no fairness on earth. Absolutely, there is no. Someone who's suffering from homosexuality comes and confronts their family, but the family themselves is not accepting of potentially the rooting causes of the reasons why the child might have become homosexual. Have you faced that with families where they are just very resistant to there's no way that we are the reason or the cause of this? And if you have, how does that help someone who's wanting to repent and to go through this journey of straying away from this lifestyle? I cannot say the family is the cause, even I did not use this and I ought to contributing factors. Just rooting causes, not yeah. maybe the cause, but yeah, okay. there are some factors, contributing factors. The family, when they hear their son is homosexual, they are also in trauma and in shock. Sure. And we need actually uh, not to traumatize them more by making them feel guilty how they raise their children. Uh, we, we will say, let's understand some factors and you are part of his therapy. And better than all, you are the reason of his illness. I will tell them, you can be part of his therapy. Right? Show him love, show him he needs love. He's looking for love outside. And I separate the family from the son. When I talk to the family together, in a gentle and I show them understanding and empathize with the shock when they know that their son is gay. But long, I know this news is not good news for you at all. I know how you feel about you know, the whole situation. This empathy and understanding that comes in that. What's the relationship between you and your son in growing up? The research will be a contributing factor, but I cannot blame you for it. But let us try to mend this relationship. Let us try to work on this relationship. When I address it in, in, in such a way, they accept it. And they will be part of the supporting team. Like, I want to respect that. They will not accept me or will not accept even what I'm saying. So I need to know how to address it with empathy and with sympathy. Because they, they go through, Uh, to, to help them because this is no longer a, a 
sexual addiction or a need to associate, but it's more of a mindset and wanting to fit in with a certain. And here first, uh, they mentioned to connect with oneself. The society is going from bad to worse, unfortunately. Am I going to actually to develop everything in the society in order to fit in the society? Definitely not. I need to stand uh, out kida, as children of God. W- what religion I'm following is the religion of the society, the gospel of society, of the gospel of Christ. Cognitive understanding or cognitive correction to all this uh, wrong perception. We are the children of God. You are not of this world. If you are of this world, the world would love you. But because you are not of this world, the world will hate you. Am I? If I am all of this world to fit in this society, a weak fish going with the current, or a dead fish. The strong fish actually swim against the current. So uh, do I want to be myself, or I want to be creation of the society, or the evolvement of the society? To reconnect with myself and to understand who I am, you know, from يعني, God's perspective. Actually, have two questions. The first one is, what if it's a single parent? Um, I know you said some of the contributing factors are a parent is either missing or not there. What if they're widowed or divorced? How does this parent deal with like an, the opposite sex child? Um, and then the second question is, um, after everything in that per- person is is back to almost normal. Um, our Egyptian society is not really going to accept um, a person coming in and you know, asking for their daughters to be in marriage when they did know or knew about this history, or even the girl. Um, it's it's going to be hard accepting in our culture. Um, how do you how do you handle that with a person and tell them like, hey, it's going to be okay in the long run. Let let me give you some hope. How does that happen? The first question. I think a person who has a strong relationship with God, he can find in God the father figure or the mother figure that he's missing. And one of the titles of God in the scripture, he is the father of the orphans and the judge of the widows. God actually is the one who can satisfy all our needs. No person on earth, a father or a mother or a spouse or a son or a daughter cannot satisfy all my needs. So I need to find my satisfaction through the grace of God, through my relationship with God. And even uh, in marriage, and I'm on the lecture on the psychological needs of the husband and, and wife, and how they should actually meet each other's expectation. But at the end of the lecture, I, I concluded by God is the only one who can satisfy all the needs. Through my relationship with God, all my needs can be satisfied. Not a Tanya, but missing a father through death is totally different than missing a father because out of neglect or out if he doesn't care or because of uh, difficult or harsh parenting. This trauma is different than this. بالعكس هو بيبقى كونكتد مع باباه وبيحبه اللي هو مات وسابه يعني بيحطوا صورته بيصلي له يعني ذيرز بيبقى في سام كونكشن لكن if my father is I miss my father out of neglect he's just busy he doesn't pay attention to me this trauma is severer than just losing a father through this thing النقطة الثانية دي محتاجة education have our community not a forgiving community, a accepting community, a loving community, a therapeutic community. I know it's not an easy, it's not an easy. But thanks God, thanks God. I see, and I've been here from 89. Through this 32 years journey, I can see in the, our culture and our community 
uh, especially people who live for a long time here, are more accepting, more forgiving, more loving than than before. Yeah, I I can see it clearly. are we there? No, we are not yet. So we need actually to to work hard, especially. Yeah, with all my yeah my respect to all cultures. Yeah, yeah, I'm Egyptian. I'm from Upper Egypt. But the Nazarenes are from certain culture. Uh, in Egypt, or newcomers here, they have this mindset uh, that needs some time to teach them through the scripture and the word of God how Christ is loving and caring and accepting to everyone. You mentioned that pages 5 to 12 are very critical for establishing the identity. Uh, but like for example, right now I'm in the state of Tennessee, which is considered to be like the Bible Belt of, of, of America, uh, some of the school districts are uh, teaching kids from elementary ages that they're promoting the fact that you should be um, liking the same sex inside the schools. The teachers are actually, um, there's been some situations where the teachers will show favoritism to those that do accept this. And at the same time, so the kids are starting to be confused and then they come to church and being, you know, you're trying to, you know, address this with helping them to really find their identity. There's a huge confusion that's going on and the kids are normally inside the schools uh, most of the time versus being in the church. And trying to establish it more Coptic schools take time in order to, you know, maybe be a solution for or alternative solution for this. There needs to be something happening now. So what are some things that, that can help to deal with this? Yeah, I tell me the church, some school and, and homes should be proactive before sending our children to the schools. We need actually to uh, teach them. Yeah, and this issue should be addressed in homes. Parents should speak with their children about it, about their identity. In Sunday school, we should speak to them. And before they hear about it in the school, they should actually hear about it in the church. We need to be proactive. But then, the school. And we are living in anti-Christian society. Listen, I had a video. A pastor from the Anglican Church, with all my respect to all denominations, is speaking about Jesus Christ as transgender. And he said, when he said, uh, uh, How many times uh, I want to gather your children and the chick gather her, uh, hen gather her chicks under her wings, so Jesus here assumed a role of female. So uh, many times he was a male, many times he was a female, and even he tried to justify it from, from the scripture. And it's very sad, yeah, not only in school, but a, a, a pastor in the Anglican Church speak about the Lord Jesus Christ as a transgender. And my video is very sad. Yeah, the society is totally now anti-Christian. Anti-Christian. That we have to do يعني, responsibility more on the churches, on Sunday school, on us as a servant, and on homes, how to teach uh, their children and protect them proactive, not reactive. Many times we are reactive. We need to address this in Sunday school curriculum. We need to address this. We teach parents how to speak about their children with their children about these issues before sending them to uh, school. In uh, on uh, a question that I was going to ask, at what age should we in the churches and Sunday schools start addressing plainly the topic of homosexuality with the kids? And from, from middle school or from younger? From, at what age is it safe? Yeah, and, and I think instead of speaking about yeah, homosexuality, but we need to actually to tell them you know, God created Adam and, and Eve. So marriage is between a man and a woman. You know, so that is uh, God's, that's what's healthy, that's what's normal. 
anything different than this is not normal. وفي نفس الوقت نتكلم على you need to accept and to love who you are. If I am born as a male, then God actually wants me to be male. I need to accept this and to uh, honor this and, and live according to this calling. The same way if I'm a female. Especially in certain culture, oh, we want we want a boy, we don't want a girl. It should be eliminated. We should actually teach parents they should not say this. I think in a positive way about what marriage is, how we accept our identity. I think قبل ما بعتهم أولى ابتدائي عن فور سندج ماي تشيلدرين تقول ابتدائي I need actually to to address this issue معهم and when you go to school you will hear people بيقولوا يعني if you don't like your gender change it why explain to them how this is wrong how we need actually to, to love who I am فيش حاجة اسمها if I don't like my gender and I will can glorify God and serve my society with my gender. I think we need to be proactive and we need to be what our children are exposed to in cartoon, in movies, in madrasa, with their friends. We address this before they hear it from us. When I found when the parents or the church speak about an issue before they hear about it from outside, الولاد مبقاش عندهم مشكلة المشكلة لما احنا هو ار سايلنت وبعدين بيسمعوا منها وبعدين احنا نصارت ريسبوند سامتايمز سامتايمز يعني اتس تو ليت داز نوت كليك معاهم Try everything that buys him to sit in the corner. Uh, high school is still young, still young. At what point, I can tell this high school you at this point you need to stop, you stay away from this. This may affect you in a negative way. And as long as if, if the other boy is not listening at all, then I will tell him what is the point. Sometimes when he, he understands, that he may lose his friend because of this, he may reconsider his decision. And that's what happened with the sinner in Corinth, when the people, all of them, separated themselves from him. He was sorrowful and he repented and he returned back. The excommunication in the time of St. Paul was not only just not to take communion as our time, but it was no communication. As St. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 5, even he who eats with this person, he who deals with this person, participates in his sin. He can talk to him for some time, and if the person insists, then he has actually to, to end this relationship. But then they can comfort this high school boy in the Kinesa, we will keep checking on him from heaven, because that's our responsibility. And St. Paul, when he said to the congregation to excommunicate this person, but he sent Titus to check on him, and he found that he repented, etc. Our responsibility is to keep checking on these people.
And, and I think it's very important for every church to have a family meeting. And most of the family meets address problems between uh, couple and how they reconcile with each other. I know it's a very important uh, topic, but I think يعني, how to address it يعني, as long as they apply it. But we need to address يعني, parenting and, and uh, how to raise our children in, in godly and ungodly atmosphere and how actually to prepare our children to face all these challenges. I think this is a very important point. Uh, so it can be addressed through family meetings. How uh, the family will be healthy, loving, accepting, godly, therapeutic. And some warnings, like the example, if, if you notice, في الكتب اللي هي اتكلمت عن homosexuality كانت مثلا signs you need يعني to alert parents if they see these signs in their children it can be indicating there is a homosexual ideation here or المثال اللي انت قلتيه واحد جاي بيقعد مع الولد باستمرار و و و ومحتاجة برضو ان هي parents يكونوا alert لحاجة زي كده يعني this can be addressed through uh, not with the person يعني لو أنت رحت الأسرة وقلت لهم خلي بالكم فلان بيزوركم يعني وممكن يكون ما فيش حاجة يعني إنسان ده إنسان كويس وقريب من الأسرة فيش حاجة لكن I think we can address these issues through family and then I see family meeting is as important as Bible study meeting in, in every church we, we have to address all these issues علشان parents with families uh, will be equipped how to handle all and 10 years ago it was not like this but how will families be equipped to address all these issues I see you know. uh, so uh, I think uh, as we have That's why I said family meeting is essential and very important. Many, many families, especially newcomers, everybody is working in order they want to reach a certain standard financial. They neglect their children and they don't pay attention to their children. So we need actually to address these points. Besides the importance of family meeting, many churches meeting between the servants and the parents of this age. And they can speak together without addressing certain parents. You address the parent of this student in your class and sometimes parents become uh, defensive if, if you talk to them. But if the servants could learn bitkalemu, these are the challenges that we see in this age group. We, we need your help. With this talk should not be in a blaming way or, or blame shifting. So, how much they will blame you and you don't do visitation and don't care about our children? Will servants shift the blame to parent and you don't know how to raise your children? But it will be more how to help one another for the sake of the children. We, we are here today meeting with you because we are asking your help to help us, you know. In, in serving your children and we also are here to help you in, in serving your children. We found these issues. How can we address them? 
having family meeting and parents meeting or parent classes is, in my opinion, is very, very essential. Very, very essential during this time. بس يعني عندي سؤال على تقسيمة Sunday school you have to hold يعني after 12 years old they should tend to the opposite gender هل تقسيمة Sunday school اللي احنا بنتبعها دي هتهلب يعني احنا حاليا middle school بنخليهم boys only و girls only وبعد كده يمكن في 12 11 and 12 is this a good toward what we're going through, or it is better to have middle school as mixed? I don't know if you have a certain class or a certain time. Some school is one hour. It's not a direction in life. How to encourage in the youth where boys and girls during this time to speak in a healthy way and to teach them how to look at the other gender as brother or as a sister in Christ, how not to have one-on-one, but as a groups together. And we need to encourage this. This one hour is Sunday school, well, not a big difference. But it tends, I totally agree with you, it tends that in the age group, يعني separate يعني boys مع boys or girls مع girls I'm just في مصر الولاد كانوا كان في separation between six يعني this age of high school فكان actually together for this reason عشان يتعلموا how to talk and deal with each other إحنا العين واخد على بعض زيادة يعني يعني أقول في جد دي أبروبلم أنا عش كده قلت إن سيرتين كولتشرز لكن في أمريكا أنا ما عنديش مشكلة فعايز كل ما أتكلم مع بنت وبيعرف يتكلم يعني فيريكود يعني لكن أنا بتكلم يعني بتكلم على سيرتين كولتشر اللي هما بيحسوا إنه إت سيف إن ال ال الولاد فروم فايف تو تولف يلعبوا مع البنات وده الوقت اللي هو إحنا مفروض في الولاد يعني عشان to accept his identity to identify himself with his gender والعكس بعد كده فأنا كنت بتكلم لكن this in the culture in general مش موجود يعني ما فيش separation between genders from 12 to 20 there is no separation too much actually Involvement with each other. Glory be to God forever and ever.